Today we're talking about sex. And we come to this passage where Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand's caused you a problem, cut it off. How weird is that? Who in the world is ever going to do that? But what if it turns out that Jesus was actually making a profound point that has the potential to change your life? Greatest teacher that ever taught said that what's insurmountable in this world is not your problems, um, your flaws, your habits, your guilt. It's actually God and God's kingdom and that he's present with us right now so we can make this a day when we live out the golden rule. In the most complicated parts of our lives, including our sexuality, such a mysterious, wonderful, amazing, deep, um, confusing, perplexing, troubling aspect of humanity. So, Jesus now is teaching about um, surpassing goodness, unless your goodness surpasses that of the scribes, the Pharisees. You can't live in the kingdom. And he's already talked about that in terms of anger. We'll come back to anger. So if you haven't mastered anger yet, it's okay. It returns in the Sermon on the Mount. But now we go to sexuality and really desire in general. Because desire uh, is so important, but it can so easily mismanage and dominate us. So he picks another one of the Ten Commandments, but he's going to go deeper. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, uh, I'll pause there for one second. One of the things that Jesus is doing here is being protective of women. You've probably heard of the phrase, having a double standard. In the ancient world, for example, amongst the Romans, it just generally was a patriarchal world. Uh, double standard was something that people were extremely aware of, and they weren't even embarrassed about. Cato uh, wrote this, uh, if you should find your wife in adultery, you may with impunity put her to death without a trial. But if you should commit adultery or indecency, she must not presume to lay a finger on you, nor does the law allow it. Um, so that is a very different world in which they lived. And part of what Jesus is doing here in a way that Cato would not have done is honoring and protecting what can happen to women in the face of misguided male sexuality. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And here we come back to that little phrase, what Jesus is pointing to is the heart. So, um, when he says that, uh, he talks about looking at somebody lustfully, the idea is not... Um, if you look at somebody and you notice that they're attractive or you feel sexual desire for them, you have done something wrong. Um, actually, that's part of the way that God made us. And a real deep need in our day among Christians is to prize and honor sexuality. A couple that has been so helpful to many, many people, including me, is Cliff and Joyce Petter. Cliff's a psychologist. Joyce has a medical background and they kind of stumbled into um, working in this area of sexuality and have written a bunch of books about it. They came from a very, very conservative Christian background, and I am not making this up. Um, Cliff said each time they wrote a book, uh, they've got, I don't know, 10 or 15 of them now, they would send it to his mother, and they found out afterwards his mother hid their books under her bed. She would not read them. 
didn't want to just throw them away, but was too embarrassed to put them up on the shelves. She actually at one point said to Cliff, I'm sorry I have been a failure as a mom. And, and he asked her, well, why would you say that? And then she explained it was because instead of becoming a missionary or something like that, he's just a guy that writes about sex all the time. Okay, sex is a great gift from God. Cliff was asking me one time when they, they just written a book, I think it was about uh, uh, female sexuality and how um, men can contribute to delight and joy. Like, what would be a good title for our book? And I said, what makes Solomon sing? But they didn't go with that. Uh, too bad for them. Anyway, uh, uh, Jesus is not saying here, if you notice that somebody is attractive or you notice they're beautiful, that's a problem. The key is, coming back to the heart now, it's the intent or the will. It's possible for me to look at a person or uh, something online or billboard or whatever with a desire to get a little bounce from it, the thrill of a certain kind of gratification and objectify the other person, let my mind linger on it, dwell on it. When choice enters into it, of course, after a, a while, that may just become habit. Um, that's when it's a problem. And what Jesus is saying is just because you have successfully avoided technical adultery, it doesn't mean that everything is okay. It comes back to the heart. And we all know about the look. Um, a couple is at a restaurant and the server comes and she's very attractive. And the husband just gives a lingering look where he is imagining. And, and the server is aware of it and is embarrassed. And the spouse is aware of it and is embarrassed. Um, to free the world of that. And also for... Uh, people whose body or face is such that they don't attract the look. And so then they're thought to be less than in our world. They're thought to be not blessed. Uh, there have been public figures accused of sexual misconduct whose response is, oh, we'll take a look at her. In other words, I'll just shame her by saying she's not attractive enough to be worthy of my lust. Jesus' approach to the issue of sexuality is so different. So, uh, he says, um, uh, anybody uh, who is intending to do this looks at a woman uh, lustfully, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he goes on, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the, your whole body to go to hell. Now, people have been very confused by these sentences over the years. Sometimes they've taken them very literally, and uh, quite famously in the early centuries of the church, there was a follower of Jesus named Origen who literally castrated himself so that uh, he would not commit any sexual sin. In fact, the Council of Nicaea, 325, actually had to pass a law forbidding self-castration as a method of managing your sexuality. Some people say, well, he's talking in hyperbole here, um, trying to get our attention. Actually, and again, Dallas Woods, quite amazing on this and the divine conspiracy, and I think is exactly right. He's pointing out that what Jesus is doing here is he is showing the absurdity of that lesser kind of righteousness of religious leaders, legalism, that defines goodness as just avoiding sin. Rather than having a heart that is filled with love, 
and um, care so that I'm able to love women as well as men the way that God would if uh, uh, my life was fully under his control. Here's what Dallas writes. Jesus is saying, if you think laws can eliminate being wrong, you would, to be consistent, cut off your hair to gouge out your eyes, so you couldn't possibly do the act the law forbids. Now, if you blind yourself, you can't look at a woman to lust after her, because you can't look on her at all. If you sufficiently dismember yourself, you will not be able to do any wrong action. And is that what God wants? Just to dismember yourself so you can't do something wrong. This is uh, the absurdity of their approach to goodness. In their view, the law could be satisfied and goodness attained if you avoided sinning. You are right if you have done nothing wrong. You could avoid sinning if you just eliminated the bodily parts that make sinful actions possible. Then you would roll into heaven a mutilated stump. Sounds to me like a country western song. Roll into heaven a mutilated stump. Your torso will be sanctified, so don't be such a grump. Anyway, you can finish that off. And there have been all kinds of similar uh, approaches to this. In the Jesus' day, there were certain rabbis who were literally called the blind, bruised and bleeding rabbis, because um, they would not look at a woman. If they saw a woman in the corner of their eyes, they would shut their eyes, and they were forever you know, uh, running into trees and stuff, because their eyes were closed. Um, Will Durant writes about how there were monks who would actually keep score over time about how many years it had been since they looked at a woman. Because if I never look at a woman, then I'll never look lust. But of course, that doesn't change the heart. And what's more, Jesus said that we are to love our neighbor. And women, men, are our neighbors. So actually, if you're keeping score of how many years it's been since you, you're also keeping score, how many years has it been since I've loved one of them? That's actually a record of enormous sin to avoid looking, which means not seeing or helping or serving or understanding. So, this could be a golden rule day. I know, I know, I know, I know. Sexuality is so complicated. Um, I'm aware, even as I talk about this, it makes it sound like I've got all this stuff wired. And the fact is, um, this is an area where it's possible in one moment to talk and think about it a certain way. Of course, I'm with Jesus. And then in another moment of temptation to realize, man, there's so much other forces at work in my body. So a friend uh, years ago, Neil Warren said, it's real important to uh, decide what are your values when it comes to sexuality and and what are the decisions that you want to make? Jesus uh, words here reflects somewhat uh, Job's statement. We said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. So I can actually practice. I'm not going to look at that. Uh, and it's not because I'm going to be living with a sense of chronic deprivation, but be, it's because I want to be a person who is thinking about better, fuller, richer things. Craving, uh, pursuing craving, trying to gratify cravings is a miserable way to live because the more you scratch an itch, the more it just goes on itching. Now, the thing that is very helpful to me is to have a friend. For me, it's my friend Rick, where uh, this is a part of my life that's just wide open to him. And I will talk with him about it, ask for accountability on it, and that's such a good thing. And then I do want to say this, whatever's happened in your life, um, maybe there has been adultery. Maybe there's 
uh, obsessive patterns of behavior or sexual addictions or deep wounds or you've been the victim of abuse, there is healing with Jesus. Sometimes Christians get so weird about sexuality. Don't let this be an area of life that can keep you from God in his kingdom. He loves you. He will walk with you. He knows that you are not perfect. Don't you give up. Make it a golden rule day. You've been listening to Become New with John Orpert, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710 minute teachings on the person you're becoming, cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Lastly, if you have a prayer request, there's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.